Welcome to the Factory of Sadness. My name is Max Steiger, and I am your humble host alongside my best friend, co-host, partner in life, Josh Shankman. What's up, everybody? Josh, that was a little delayed reaction there. Do you think I was going to give you some more adjectives? I thought you were, but also I got a little bit of delay on FaceTime, and I was trying to make your volume a little louder. You know, it's just all this technological issues are a big thing to try and figure out. That they are. So how was your week, Josh? How you been? You know, Max, my week, we spoke? my week has been great. Uh, it's been good to be back at school, get to see all my friends that I've made here, and, uh, you know, have some independence. It's been a good time. Um, what about you? Yeah, same here. Uh, this is my second week back at school. Uh, classes have definitely started to pick up, um, so that's been great to finally have a schedule again, have things to do, have a little bit of motivation in my life to get the things <laughs> done that I need to get done. Absolutely, yeah. It's definitely uh, nice to have some sort of schedule going on. Uh, classes for us started today, so that's exciting. Very exciting. So, Josh, we had a pretty... Pretty solid week in sports. You know, we got the Super Bowl matchup set. What did you think of those conference championship games? Absolutely. Well, you know I liked it. Both teams I was rooting for won, and both teams I predicted won. So I'm 2-0. I think that makes us tied again. Boom shakalaka. Let's go. Uh, I was excited. Uh, Very happy uh, to see the matchup. I really wanted it to be Brady Mahomes. Um because Brady's probably my favorite athlete of all time, and also I just like the matchup. I think it'll be super cool. And even if Brady loses, it's almost like a super uh, significant passing the torch moment from one goat to you know someone who seems like they might have the chance to supersede the goat as the new goat. So I like that. Um, I tell you what, Max, I'm gonna let you talk about your reactions first, but there's some interesting things to take away from this weekend's games. So. There are definitely a lot of interesting takeaways. I want to start with the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs win by 14 points, 38 to 24. The biggest takeaway from this game is how little the running game is in importance. That was not good grammar, but you understand what I'm trying to say. How little of importance the running game is for the Buffalo Bills. Their leading rusher was Josh Allen. And To be fair, I don't know if that was on design runs or just running out of the pocket, but Devin Singletary, TJ Eldon, they only got nine combined runs for a total of 32 yards, and that could have been what ended up having a huge impact on this lack of offense for the Bills team. They weren't able to provide a dual factor in their offense that most teams are able to do, and without the threat of a consistent run game, it's pretty easy for this Chiefs defense to just guess pass. Josh Allen tossed 48 balls, less than 300 yards, though. So a little disappointing on his end. Pat Mahomes, unsurprisingly, played unconsciously with only nine incompletions, over 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, one sack for zero yards, which I'm guessing was just him running out of the pocket. Um, And they were able to get the run game a little bit. 13 carries, 52 yards from Darrell Williams. Clyde didn't do much, which was pretty disappointing. I don't know if that was injury-based. But overall, this was just an offensive firepower from the Chiefs. Tyree killed nine receptions, 172 yards. Travis Kelsey, 13 receptions, 118 yards, two touchdowns. This offense is so, so good. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Chiefs are just a, a dynamo, and it's really exciting to see them you know, continue to be dominant. But you're right. The lack of a run game surely made a difference because you talk about the disappointing game from Josh Allen, but... Truly what you saw if you watched the game closely was the Chiefs' mediocre secondary absolutely locking up this Bills receiving core. No one's going to come out here and tell you that other than Stephon Diggs, the Bills have amazing receivers. But there was zero separation for the most, the majority of the game, which led to a lot of times when Josh Allen had to scramble, force throws, throw off of his back foot. I mean, he really just was not in a situation where he was able to find success. Uh, and only a little bit to his fault yeah yeah you're completely correct and when you only have that one factor on the offense then that's what happens but then looking at the tampa bay buccaneers and green bay packers none of these teams had good running offenses leonard fournette 12 carries 55 yards ronald jones 10 carries 16 yards and then on the Packers side they ran the ball as a total 16 times for 67 yards so across all four teams this was just a massive passing attack. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were able to pull it off despite a very close to what would have been a great comeback from the Packers, though. Absolutely. I mean, if you if you watch the game, it almost looks like the Buccaneers had it locked up for sure. And then a couple of shaky drives at the end allowed Aaron Rodgers to do his thing and mount a comeback, and then it didn't end up coming through. But it was, you know, I don't know if you want to get into it now or later. There were a number of questionable decisions uh, and calls made in that game. Um, I'll leave it up to you whether you want to get into it now or later because you said that you had something similarly related. Yeah, let's get into it now. Max, you want to go first or should I? You go first. So the biggest, so the immediate reaction from a lot of football fans is split in two ways. The first is to whether you're a Packers fan or whether you're not a Packers fan. If you're a Packers fan, the immediate takeaway was how in the world was that pass interference call called when the refs had set the precedent of letting the guys play. While there's no doubt that the call was in fact correct, as you can see a clip of the dude literally dragging his jersey, they had set a precedent, and it was very evident on previous plays, to let them be more handsy, let them be a little more aggressive in the secondary, in which case that question, that call becomes a bit more questionable. So if you're a Packers fan, a lot of uh, frustration was mounted upon the fact that that call was made in an important and defining moment of that game. For non-Packers fans, one of the biggest takeaways from that game is directed directed directly at Matt LaFleur and his coaching decisions. For me, that was my biggest takeaway. I left that game shocked. Happy that Brady won, but shocked because down nine, nine points, was it? Uh, yes, I believe so. Or Nine or eight points? I don't remember. I think, no, no, no. No, it was eight. It was eight points. Down eight points. One score with a two-point conversion. From six yards out, you kick a field goal on fourth down. To me, that's baffling and unexplainable when your quarterback is Aaron Rodgers and you have Devontae Adams, arguably the number one receiver in the league on your team. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, But there are also a lot of things. I was watching first take with Kellerman and uh, Stephen A. Smith afterwards, uh, the day after the game, and Aaron Rodgers had a wide-open run for that touchdown. It shouldn't have even gotten to fourth down in so many different ways. Aaron Rodgers could have ran for it. Devontae Adams shouldn't have dropped it. He didn't need to target Devontae Adams all three first times. down, second down, three, third down. This last drive uh, and possession, it did not go in any way how it should have gone. Absolutely. And I'm with you. I was I was stunned. All My friends and I were all watching the game in the attic. The first play... You know, it was a designed pass to Devontae Adams where he dropped it. It was, I mean, it's a tough catch, but that's one Devontae Adams makes like 97 out of 100 times. So I get that one. I'm with you. The second, he was totally forced to Devontae Adams. And then the third one, go look up a clip. If you haven't seen the play or you haven't seen the picture, go look it up. There is at least 10 yards of running room for Aaron Rodgers on the third play. And on the second play, he also could have scrambled for a couple of yards. And just got taken it to the four or the three. Yeah. So the the most interesting part I think about that picture and the videos that came from that play is that Aaron Rodgers doesn't even look to the open space. He has his eyes dead set locked on Devontae Adams the whole time. He doesn't even consider, oh, I should look to the right where there might be an opening. And that's why I think in a way that's also a defense in him making that throw, but it's also... uh, his fault in a way for not keeping his eyes and having that sort of field vision that as a veteran quarterback and one of the best in the league, you'd think that he would have. So that exactly. And not just to be like to f- try and find it. It's incredible how forced that ball was. He was trying to fit it into about into a window that was probably the size of the football itself. Like it had to be in that one space or else he was screwed. And he forced it in there instead of taking the easy route, probably to a touchdown. But for me, it's still baffling that LaFleur decided not to go for it with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams from six yards out. Yep. Well, whoever it's on, it was a crazy game. Lots of lots of fun to watch. I don't know if you, I'm guessing you saw this, but Brady and Gronk recreated their post-championship strut uh, that they made when they were on the Patriots a few years back. Of course. Where Brady looks at it, looks at Gronk, smiles a little bit. The swag between these two players, it is so much fun to watch. But actually, I want to dissect Tom Brady's performance a little bit because this was probably one of his 
worse playoff performances? I would look at his stats. I would amend that statement to say it was one of the most up and down playoff performances ever. Okay. Okay. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, so he's his final statistics, 20 of 36, 280 yards, three touchdowns. The big part, three interceptions for a QBR of 75. When you saw him playing, he was making throws that rookies make in their first game. This dude was overthrowing players completely. He was throwing into places that he should have no reason throwing to as a 43-year-old quarterback and as the GOAT. And I, you can tell that he is still at the highest level that he can be, but that is such a far-removed level from where he used to be when you see the throws that he's making. But then you also see that perfect throw that he makes to Scotty Miller at the end of the half to get that touchdown and to give him a huge amount of momentum. So, like you said, this was a very, very up-and-down performance. I was going to say... Lots of inconsistency. So, for me, you have to take this in a tale of two halves because in the first half, he was absolutely remarkable. That's when he looked like a quarterback at the very top of his game, the GOAT absolutely demolishing uh, this Packers defense, picking them apart, dissecting them, finding his different receivers, and making a bevy of just fabulous strikes to his receivers. And you mentioned the Scotty Miller pass is a great example of just dimes all over the field, including over 20 yards, which has been one of his biggest critiques this entire year. But then you look at the second half, and after their first drive where he had a short touchdown throw to Cameron Bright, he was just not the same. It's I, I joke to my friends, it's almost as if his hands froze because he just started missing everything. Even that last pass on the questionable pass interference call is a throw he would never miss to Tyler Johnson. I mean, that thing was high and out of his reach, and it was, I was just nuts to see him miss that badly on, on, frankly, an easy throw. And a couple of the interceptions, you know, you can debate as to whether they're his fault or what they are, but there's no doubting that he didn't have the same precision or accuracy in the second half, even on the deep balls. And yeah, he let it go a little bit. He decided on a number of them to just throw it down and let them have a play because it was third and long or it was just third down and he wanted to make something happen and he just chucked it up, which you can debate the validity of that decision-making for sure. I'm not, you know, Max, you know me, I'm a Brady fan, but I'm never going to try and defend something that's not worth defending. Like I'm a guy who will admit when Brady was at fault. The interception that tipped off of Evans' hands, not that bad. Goes against Brady. Can we talk about that catch by Jerry Alexander? Woof. Yeah. But the two other interceptions, I'm trying to think of the third. But one of them was just atrocious. He was trying to target Evans downfield. Evans clearly did not see the ball on Miss Red. And it just was like six yards short and dropped into the Packers' hands. It was awful. So I'm with you. It was, it was really strange, in my opinion, to see... The, the highs of that first half where he looked like the goat still, and then the lows of the second half where you were just questioning how in the world he was playing like this. Yeah, well, and I think that's the 43-year-old man coming out of him. No 43-year-old man should be playing at the level that he is. So. Especially in, in football. Right, exactly. The most physical of all sports. Yep. So clearly there's tons to dissect from this Buccaneers Packers game but in the interest of time I think it'll be a good idea for us to move on and preview not this week unfortunately but next week we have the Super Bowl Buccaneers versus the Chiefs as you predicted very well last week the proverbial passing of the torch very very possibly symbolic game if the Chiefs end up winning this one yeah I agree if the Chiefs pull this out it's going to be uh, one of the most iconic games, I mean, hopefully in play as well, but just in terms of eras almost, because you got to think Brady probably only has one to two more years in him. Granted, we've been saying that for the past five years. Exactly right. You really just have no idea with him. But, you know, his time is coming to a close for sure. And to have Mahomes, who's clearly the face of the face of the NFL and you know looks as if he's going to be a future goat it's it's the passing of the torch if the chiefs pull it out so i think that we should save our prediction uh for next week just in case there are injuries or things that develop throughout the week i agree Um, but 
definitely getting excited. Uh, we have the Pro Bowl this weekend, which is fortunately virtual this year, but football is for football, so we'll take what we can get. Josh, let's head over to the NBA for a second. What would you like to talk about within the National Basketball Association? I only have one thing for this weekend, Max, and that is sex land. Sorry, where we're Josh, both did from. Did you just say sex land? I just said sex land. Well, sorry for anyone who was very confused about the sudden change in subjects about, you know, from football to sex land. Oh, but I'm talking about Colin Sexton in the land. Sex land, the hot. Brooklyn Nets with their big three, big trio. Kyrie Irving comes back to play. No. Meet your match in Colin Sexton, who dismantled them in back-to-back games, the first of which was absolutely epic in double overtime, 42 points. Wow. Yeah, it was a lot, a lot of fun to watch, especially with all the different overtimes and everything. But then you look at... The next games that came after this, we get demolished by the Celtics. We lose by, what, 38 points to the Celtics. And then we lose by only 7 points to the West-leading Lakers. My biggest takeaway from this Cavs team is that we are a young team. And it shows in every single game that we play. I was watching the Lakers game, and there was a series where we had maybe four or five turnovers in a row just from traveling. These players don't have much experience, and because of that, there is so many easy mistakes that can be avoided that are made, and that's, I think, why we lost that Lakers game. LeBron James played a hell of a game dropping 46 points, but we shouldn't have been in that game as much as we were, so there is a lot of excitement coming from this team as they continue to age, as they continue to mature, and as they continue to mesh as a team. I agree. I'm very excited uh, to see what the future holds. I mean, I'm not expecting any success this year at all. I think the roster's too young, as you pointed out, and just not well-rounded enough. But, you know, have you seen the clip yet of the Cleveland Cavs front office staff member on the sideline who went crazy after LeBron missed a field goal in the third quarter? That was a great video. Uh, Definitely could have impacted LeBron's insane yeah, fourth quarter. I wonder if that's why he scored 21 points in the fourth quarter when the entire Cavs roster scored 18. Right. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Um, but <laughs> I love to see, uh, I saw a video of LeBron and Chetty uh, being very excited to see each other. LeBron um, doing his handshake with Kevin Love. It's so great to see the older players on the Cavs team still have that connection with LeBron. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, teammates who buy into LeBron's approach and what he's about, love him. And so it's really cool to see him come back and you know just reunite with his old friends. Yep. So everything else in the NBA has been pretty static. Um, Unfortunately. Some little things I have. Exactly. I have a nice little surprise to bring up later in the episode. But same. This is the. Um, this is when the NBA moves slowly. Uh, it's the starting to get into the middle of the season, not close enough to the trade deadline, where all these crazy trade questions are coming up but these teams are some teams are pulling ahead some teams are falling behind but anything can change right in any week so i mean it's that point in the season where you know people are starting to define themselves and the hot starts that have stayed are starting to feel real and the slow starts that have stayed are starting to feel real but nothing too exciting going on right now yep so let's head back to football for the main segment of the week as i hinted at before the Pro Bowl is this weekend. Uh, Unfortunately, due to COVID-19, they decided not to hold the normal celebration with the games and all the funness that comes with that. Funness. Uh, But instead, (laughs) thank you, instead they will be holding a virtual celebration, um, one of which starts tonight. It's very interesting, Josh. They're having players present their highlights and talk about their statistics, I believe, from this season and then if I understand correctly, fans vote on who they think wins out. I don't completely understand what it is, but it is a very interesting huh. format. It's called Versus, V-E-R-Z. Oh my gosh, is that what that thing with Justin Jefferson and A.J. Brown was? Yes. Okay, I'm excited to see it then because that was funny. <laughs> yeah, so we have uh, Miles Garrett versus Cameron Jordan tonight at 8, uh, tonight being Wednesday when we were recording this. So we'll see how that turns out and if that becomes something that gets implemented uh into the nfl 
huh, we'll see. I don't know. I'm excited to see what it is. But, you know, you see all kinds of maneuvered and generated activities because of COVID-19. And so it's interesting to see what will end up sticking and what's fun and what is just a one-time thing but still enjoyable. And then what stinks. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So let's head into the main segment. Josh and I decided um, after our fun drafting the best of the worst players, the best players of the teams that did not make the playoffs, that would be fun to do a little fantasy draft of their Pro Bowl players and sort of go back to the gold old days of when Chris Carter and Jerry Rice would draft their teams for the Pro Bowl and it wouldn't be based off AFC-NFC. Except that's not the good old days because I prefer AFC-NFC. All right, Josh has been kind (laughs) enough to grant me the number one pick in the official fantasy Pro Bowl draft, The Factory of Sadness, a sports podcast. Unsurprisingly, with my pick, I'm taking quarterback out of Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes. Now, that's a strong pick, Max, but I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction. I'm going to take the defensive tackle out of Los Angeles, Aaron Donald. That does not go in the quarterback slot. Hold up. <laughs> okay, now I'm good. There we go. So me going with a offensive, best offensive player possibly, Josh possibly going with the best defensive player. My second pick, I am an offensive fiend. I'm going with my man DeAndre Hopkins. And that's a strong pick, Max, but I'm going to continue to beef up my O-line and take our hometown guy, Miles Garrett, who's hopefully recovered by COVID-19 by now. Your D-line, not your O-line, my good friend. I thought I said D-line. I might have misheard. I apologize if I have. Next pick that I'm going for, I'm going to go for dominant player, absolutely dominant, tight end Travis Kelsey. I'm liking the, it's interesting to see the different focuses between us because I'm now going to go to my outside linebackers and take TJ Watt for the Steelers. As you take a defensive player, I will start to boost my defense and I will also go with an offensive or outside linebacker, go with Khalil Mack. Well, that's too bad because that was going to be my next pick. Uh, but we'll start working on our secondary. I'm going to go with Xavier Howard, the quarterback out of uh, Miami, cornerback out of Miami, who I'm a huge fan of. Interesting. Very interesting. I'm going to go back to the offense, uh, grab a running back. The current starters on these Pro Bowl teams are Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook. I'm going to skip over both of them and take Alvin Kamara. I love the impact that he has on the pass game. I think he's absolutely dynamic and a better pick for the team that I have so far. I would 100% agree with you in that he's a, he's a better running back uh, overall, actually. Uh, but I'm going, to keep, <laughs> I'm going to keep going on this defense thing and take Minka Fitzpatrick, one of my favorite defensive backs in the NFL as well. All right, I'm going to head back to the defense as well, uh, start boosting my rush. I'm going to take Joey Bosa out of the Los Angeles Chargers. Love that pick for sure. Um, Next, I'm going to go with uh, Fred Warner, who is one of my favorite surprises, seemingly came out of nowhere and became the best inside linebacker in the NFL this year. Interesting. So Josh just passed over taking what some believe are the is the best middle linebacker in the NFL, and that's the man that I'm going to take right now. Bobby Wagner, Seattle Seahawks, absolute leader, absolute stud, can stop the run, can stop the pass. You can't get past him. Well, I'm glad you're leaving him for me. I'm going to take Jair Alexander, who actually really just had a huge impact on Mike Evans uh, in the Buccaneers-Packers game. I think I've got now got the two best cornerbacks in the league on my team. Take it away, Max. I, I agree that you do have the two best cornerbacks, and that's on purpose because I don't believe that's a position that needs to be focused on. Let's move on to the next wide receiver on my team. I'm going to take the speedy man, getting back with my Chiefs. I got Patty Mahomes. I got Travis Kelsey. Give me my man, Tyree Kill. So, Max, you're basically taking the Chiefs offense. I'm going to really try and get after you. I'm going to take Cameron Jordan as my second defensive end. My goal is to not let Patrick Mahomes throw the ball, basically. Yeah, well, that's a good goal, but seeing as you're boosting your defense, I'm going to start boosting my offensive line. You're not getting to me. I got Quentin Nelson in the trenches. There's no way you can get past him. Whoa! Hold up. I just noticed um, Miles Teller is not in the Pro Bowl. Interesting. That is he was the best guard in the NFL this year. He, he was ranked the number one PFF, and he didn't make the Pro Bowl. There are so many bad things that come from the way that the Pro Bowl is selected. So many snubs, and he is definitely a huge one. That's stunning. All right, well, 
I have now bolstered my defense and completely neglected my offense, so I'm going to flop over a little bit, and I'm going to start taking care of my offensive line to protect my soon-to-be quarterback eventually at one point. We'll see what happens. I'm going to take Ryan Kelly from the Colts. I'm going to pop over and ignore Marquise Pouncey and Jason Kelsey. That is a great pick. Definitely starting to place a focus on the offense, and that is what I like to see because now <laughs> I'm going to hop over back to the defense, and I'm going to draft defensive tackle and absolute beast chris jones i love the pick chris jones is an animal you clearly are a chiefs homer and i'm gonna assume then pulling for them also because you hate tom brady i'm gonna take uh brandon scherf as my uh second guard well my first guard my second offensive lineman all right i'm heading back to the offensive side and i think that it's good to have a pass catching running back but you also need that big big man running through I'm going to go with Nick Chubb. I don't want Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook. You can take those guys. I want my homeboy, Nick Chubb. Well, I, I appreciate that. I'm a homer too, so I was hoping I'd grab him as well. But sticking with the homer, I'll grab my second guard and take Joel Batonia. All right. Well, you see, in most years, I think that Marquise Pouncey would go next at center. But seeing how he absolutely screwed over the Steelers. <laughs> hey, that's that why I didn't going, take him. <laughs> I'm heading over to the Eagles. I'm going to take Jason Kelsey. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to keep running on my offensive line and take David Bakhtiari for the Packers as my first tackle off the board. So as we continue to draft, I want to give you guys a little update of where we're at. Josh does not have a single quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. He is completely focused on the offensive line and the defense right now, where I have a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, only two members on my offensive line, and only four people on my defense. So two very different strategies in trying to draft this best Pro Bowl team. Absolutely, and I'll explain my strategy at the end once we finish drafting. Very interesting. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have. So I am going to go back to the defensive side. I don't have a huge focus on the cornerbacks, but I think a huge important part of defense is safeties i'm going to take jamal adams not only is he an absolute ball hawk but he is a beast coming off on the blitz and he is not a starter in this pro bowl yeah well that's good because jamal adams has frankly been pretty disappointing this season so while you left him for me i'm going to take buddha baker from the cardinals absolute animal uh unfortunately the biggest highlight from him was him getting run down by dk metcalf but people forget that he was what an absolute animal on the defensive side of the ball this year he was pretty good. He was pretty good. I'm going to head back to the offensive side, uh, grab my third wide receiver uh, with Tyreek Hill in the slot. I would love to have the big man DK Metcalf, an absolute beast, physical dominance. You have Tyreek Hill with the speed, DeAndre Hopkins with the hands, now DK Metcalf with the side, the size and the strength. That is an unstoppable wide receiver core, no matter who you have at cornerback. I don't care who you have. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I'm going to keep pounding, and I'm going to take Laramie Tunsil as my second tackle to round out my offensive line. I'm going to head to the offensive line as well, uh, and I'm going to go with the big man, Trent Williams, tackle out of the 49ers. All right. Well, Max, you finally got to me. I'm going to take my first skill position player, and I'm going to take the man from Green Bay, Devontae Adams. Yep. I probably should have taken him over DK, but I like DK's size, so that's that's a good pick for you. Yeah, I, I like appreciate you leaving me, you, Devon. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you some slack and say you were leaving it for me as a gift, and not that you forgot about him. Exactly. Yes, I appreciate that. So as much as I don't have a huge focus on the cornerbacks, it is important to still get one. I'm getting the talking god, the man that trash talks every single player, Jalen Ramsey, out of the Los Angeles Rams. Sounds like a plan. I'm gonna take. Uh, my next running back is Dalvin Cook. Well, my first running back, sorry. Your first running back, exactly. So I'm going to finish off my wide receiver core uh, in a way to stop you from getting such good wide receivers, even though these are all great receivers. <laughs> I'm going for Stefan Diggs from Buffalo. Had an amazing season and very exciting to see him play and continue to grow that chemistry with Josh Allen in the Interesting. Future. I'm actually stunned to see you take Stefan Diggs. Um because I think you're neglecting the rest of your roster, but that's okay. Leaves me for uh, more picks. I'm going to hop over back to the defensive side of the ball, and I'm going to take the tackling monster out of Indianapolis, Darius Leonard. 
So now that my offense is sort of rounding out, it's looking pretty nice. I'm going to head back to the defense. I'm taking the Michigan man, Frank Clark, defensive end, opposite side of Joey Bosa with Chris Jones in the middle, Gleal Mack on a blitz, Bobby Wagner in coverage. Come on. Yeah, no, you've got a very strong roster. I'm going to hop back up top, keep working on my offense. Uh, I've currently got Dalvin Cook and Devontae Adams as my only skill position players. Um, I'm now, I'm going to head over and I'm going to take uh, Darren Waller from Las Vegas as my tight end. Ooh, very interesting. Another very, very athletic tight end who is fast. He can catch the ball. A little bit of an off-brand Travis Kelsey in my mind. Agreed. So I'm going to continue to booster my offensive line. I need another tackle and another guard on the offensive. I think he meant to say on bolster, the opposite sides. What did I say, booster? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take Orlando Brown. Eric Fisher is currently injured, so that's a joke on you. You have to get him now. No, I don't. Not. <laughs> if if I have to get him next, then you have to take Teron Armstead. Um, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to grab um, Derrick Henry as my second run. No, yeah, yeah. I'm going to take Derrick Henry as my second running back. It's a good second running back. It's crazy that in this situation, Derrick Henry is a second running back. It's all thanks to you. I let, him, I let you draft two running backs before mine. Right. All right, I'm going to go back to my linebacking core, and I'm going to booster it with Zadarius Smith, a great, great edge rusher. Absolute beast for the Packers. Absolutely agree. Couldn't agree more. I'm also going to hop back to... Uh, Hop back to my defense. I'm currently running a 3-4, it looks like, so I'm going to take another outside linebacker. I'm going to take Bradley Chubb, the second-best Chubb out of the 2018 draft class, but nonetheless, an absolute animal on the line. Very true. So the next important thing for me is to finish off that safety. I'm going to take Tyron Matthew. He is currently listed as a strong safety, so I have two strong safeties. But as I love to do in Madden, you put the best player in the position. It doesn't matter if they're strong or free. It doesn't have that big of a difference. I have Tyran Matthew, Jamal Adams. That's a killer safety duo. Yeah, I would say it's about the second best safety duo on this list. Um, I'm going to take my third cornerback and grab Tredavious White from Buffalo. Mm, a great player. Now you got three cornerbacks. I only have one. So I need another guard, it seems. I'm going to take David DeCastro. Yep, and then I'm going to take uh, the best cornerback in the league from last year. Didn't have as good of a as good of a year, but still an absolute dominant threat, and I don't want him guarding my receiver, so I'm going to take Stephon Gilmore from New England. He's a great, great cornerback. I'm going to actually take a backup quarterback now because, as you see in every Pro Bowl, these quarterbacks play about two drives and then are sat. So I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers from the Packers. Well, thank goodness I was waiting for you to take him so that I wasn't um, accused by our eight followers of waiting and not taking Aaron Rodgers, taking someone instead of him. Uh, you've got Mahomes and Rodgers. Absolutely great. Don't blame you at all. I'm going to take uh, the man who made a huge jump this year, Josh Allen, as my starting quarterback. All right. I'm going to go back over to the defense. Uh there are not that many players available, so now I need to really pay attention to who I want in the trenches. Who do I want in coverage? I need another cornerback, so I'm going to take my man, Marshawn Lattimore, from the Saints. He's an OSU man. It's okay. I understand. He's a great player. So it's interesting. The way this... Um, I don't know. It's, it's weird. We each have it listed as one free safety and two strong safety spots. I think that third safety spot is just the flex safety. So I'm going to take Justin Simmons from Denver, I believe. All right, my next position, I need to fill out that third running back. Right now on the board, we have Josh Jacobs and Aaron Jones. And this is a very interesting decision because they're two very different players. We have Aaron Jones, who is more of a pass catcher, and Josh Jacobs, who is a downhill runner. I'm going to go with Aaron Jones and go with the pass first motive. Motive. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good, good call. Uh, all yours. I'm going to take my next uh, defensive tackle. I'm going to grab Fletcher Cox, who's still on the board, um, f out of uh, Philadelphia. 
It's a good pick, a good pick. So now I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe we have, I need to get one more or two more cornerbacks, and then we'll have the starters for all the main positions. In the interest of time, I think that it makes more sense to leave some of the players still on the board. Um, So Josh, as you continue to fill out your wide receivers, I would say do all four of those. Um, but we don't need three tackles. We don't need three guards, two centers. Yeah, we can leave out. We tackles. can leave out the uh, backup linemen um, from the offense. I'll fill out my receivers and skill position players. Um, I think that's actually it. We can just take out the offensive linemen. Everything else, I think, will go quick. Was it Perfect. your pick? So I, yeah, my pick. So I'm going to take Marlon Humphrey from the Ravens. This man is killer at forcing turnovers. The peanut punch has been absolutely mastered by Marlon Humphrey. Absolutely. He's been one of the best um, best in the league at, at punching the ball out and creating turnovers. Uh, I'm going to take Chase Young. A great rookie. <laughs> yeah. Don't need to say much more than that. Just a freak. Uh, the final defensive end available, Brandon Graham. I'm snagging him. He's a great veteran. Absolutely. I'm going to take uh, another linebacker. I'm going to grab uh, Matt Judon. So that leaves me with Jason Pierre-Paul, but I'm going to take Tremaine Edwards first because I value him as an inside linebacker more than I value Jason Pierre-Paul. I'm glad. Uh, I'm going to keep going to, um, now that we've decided to eliminate the centers and tackles and everything, I'm going to go grab my second tight end and grab TJ Hawkinson from the Lions, partially because I like TJ Hawkinson, also because I think the fact that Evan Ingram is in the Pro Bowl is a joke. (laughs) It definitely is. I'm going to take a fullback and go with Kyle Juicy Juice Juicecheck. Oh, that's a great great pick. I love his name. I'm going to hop over back to the quarterbacks, grab my second, Deshaun Watson, arguably one of the best in the league. Uh, not arguably one of the best. Arguably, you could say, I would say top three, top four, at least in terms of future projections. That is an argument that can be made. So as Josh has almost completed his whole defense, I don't feel the need to pick those players. They go automatically to me. I'm going to take a kicker. I'm going to take Youngway Koo. It's right now between Youngway Koo and Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker fell off a bit at the end of the season. I did not like what I saw from him. So I'm going with the, the young man from the Falcons. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that take. I still think I'll, I'm happy with taking the most accurate kicker in NFL history. But I'm going to grab Matthew Slater. Old Reliable from New England, one of the best special teams players in history. There you go, there you go. I Yeah, I I believe my team is filled out now. Josh, if you want to grab those wide receivers just to have them on the roster and we can go through and tell our final rosters and then discuss who we think would actually win this matchup. Uh, Yeah, except for the fact that we need to pick a quarterback, so whoever's turn it was needs to do that. Uh, and we need to go through special teams. Okay. I will take Russell Wilson as my final quarterback. Between him and Kyler Murray, I'll take Russell any day. Yep, sounds like a good plan. Uh, it's my turn then to take a defensive tackle before you. I'll grab uh, Cameron Hayward ahead of you. And that'll leave me with... I'll go with Grady Jarrett. from. The well, you get the other two. So you get Grady Jarrett and Clayus oh, Campbell. And Campbell. Right. Then you get Jason Pierre-Paul as your last outside linebacker, James Bradbury as your last cornerback, and Quandre Diggs as your last safety. Um, I believe it's your pick for special teams. Oh, a very, very important pick. I'm going to go with Cordell Patterson. No! <laughs> I was Not going between him and Slater as my, as my choices, but... Uh, yeah. Since we just flopped up and filled out the rest of our rosters, I will start speeding up a little bit. I'm going to grab uh, Jack Fox as my punter. All right. I'm going to take Jake Bailey as my punter. Well, I'm going to take Morgan <laughs> Cox as my long snapper. I'm sure Ooh, I, I know wow, nothing that's about a very, Yeah, very controversial pick. I take Tyler Ott and then Nick Belore to finish off my special teams. All right. Well, Max and I have now finished up our rosters. Uh, We didn't do any backup in our offensive lines, so we'll have to skip through that. Um, Max, let's just go for our offense and defense, compare them separately, and take a look at how they match up versus each other. Perfect. So Pat Mahomes, starting quarterback, Alvin Kamara, Nick Chubb with the two running back duo, my wide receivers are unstoppable my fourth receiver on the roster right now is Stefan Diggs come on Travis Kelsey my offensive line is stout they're big they're powerful they'll kill in the trenches 
Yeah, absolutely. I've got Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson as my first two quarterbacks. Uh, I actually might end, might end up starting Deshaun Watson, but we're not going to get into that. My two starting running backs are Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry, so have fun trying to do anything against that. Um, and then for my receivers, yeah, you've got a strong core. I'm not going to deny it. Your wide receivers are better than mine. However, is the difference truly that big between Hopkins, Hill, Metcalf, and Diggs with Adams, Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown, and Justin Jefferson? Yes. I, I, I believe it is. No I question. don't believe it's that big when it comes to actual game management and the effect on the game. Uh, tight ends, you, you clearly are superior in your starting tight end. Kelsey is in a world of his own when you look at how they compare, but Darren Waller and TJ Hawkinson are no slouches themselves, and then you're stuck with Evan Ingram, which sucks. I wouldn't even play him if I were you. I don't know how he's in the Pro Bowl. That's you. I think our fullbacks are pretty uh, even, and then um, personally, I'm going to take my offensive line over yours. So let's head over to the defensive side. Josh placed a big focus on drafting the defense. Josh, do you want to explain now why that was so important to you? So I looked at a couple things for me. Number one, I wanted to really firm up the trenches. You see a lot of games that are won in the trenches. So that was my first thing. And then number two, I thought there was a bigger difference in quality of players between the upper echelon defensive players and the upper echelon uh, offensive players. In terms of the bigger difference was between defense higher and lower than there was in offense. I let you take all four receivers first so I could just fill out the rest of my roster. So yes, yours are better. I think mine are no slouch because I think the top eight receivers, there's a lot of arguments to be made as to who goes where. Whereas defense, take a look at this defense, ready? Pass rushers, Miles Garrett, Cameron Jordan, Chase Young, Aaron Donald, Fletcher Cox, Cameron Jordan. Wow. Cameron Hayward. That's what I'm gonna say, Cameron Hayward. (laughs) Outside linebackers, not as good in coverage, but also dominant pass rushers, TJ Watt, Bradley Chubb, Matt Judon. Inside linebackers, arguably the two best in the league, outside of Bobby Wagner, who you snagged, Fred Warner, Darius Leonard. Take a look at my cover men, who are going to try and lock up your receivers. Xavier uh, Howard, Jair Alexander, Trey White, Stephon Gilmore, and then my safeties over top. Minka Fitzpatrick, absolute ball hawk. Buddha Baker, ball hawk and stud blitzer. And Justin Simmons, another ball hawk. For me, that's a defense that's about as good as you can possibly get. Yeah, well, and that's the reason why they're all in the Pro Bowl. Oh, yeah, but but you look at, you go first, and then, you know, mine's just better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my rush, Joey Bosa, Frank Clark. I don't like Brandon Graham as much, but you, you get what you get. Chris Jones, an absolute beast. But my linebacking core, I believe, is much better than yours. Khalil Mack, Zedarius Smith, Bobby Wagner, and Tremaine Edwins, I think, beats yours out any day. Your coverage might be better, that's fine. My free safeties are better at impacting the game than yours are. Yours might have more talent, but the vision of Tyran Matthew, the blitzing ability of Jamal Adams, and then if he doesn't play so well, Quandre Diggs is an incredible interceptor. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not saying your defense is any slouch, let's be clear. I think we can agree without a question my defensive line is miles above yours. Uh, the linebacking crew, I see what you're saying. Your inside linebacker, your, your top two might be better than my top two. I think overall it's a, it's a question to be had. TJ Watt had a more outstanding year than Khalil Mack. Fred Warner and Darius Leonard were two of the top three inside linebackers in the league. Bobby Wagner being the third. And then my thing with you and for safeties is you can't just go off of name recognition. If you go look at how Jamal Adams actually impacted the game this year, it's a lot worse than you might actually think. You might be surprised with that. It's not just on name recognition. It's that threat of the blitz. That's why I like him. I know what you're saying. You just look at how he impacted the game. It was not the same as when he was with the Jets. He was not even close to the guy he used to be, even with the blitz. That is very possible. All right, well, this was a lot of fun, uh, drafting our dream Pro Bowl teams. Unfortunately, we won't get to see these matchups, but, I mean, it would be a lot of fun to see these players get to play, especially this year in the Pro Bowl, so it's pretty disappointing that we won't get to see that. Josh, let's head to our segments of the week, the Factory of Sadness. What is your biggest surprise? Absolutely. Before, Right before we get to that, Maybe Max and I will run a Madden sim of our teams and see how they do against (laughs) each other. We can't play, though, because Max would win, and so it wouldn't say anything about the talent of our rosters. Um, Surprise and disappointments. Max, I've got a couple for you. I've got two of each. 
All right, give me your first surprise. Number one, my surprise is how well Mikel Hardman recovered as a young player from an absolutely deving, devis, deving, devastating mistake early in the game. He fumbled a ball that led to an immediate Buffalo score, put them down 9 nothing, and it was bleak. And then he came back, scored a touchdown, had a 50-yard run, and was just a huge player in the Chiefs offense afterwards. And I was surprised in a beautiful way. Yeah, it was definitely a great comeback from when he had his head way down low. His players and his coaches helped get him back to raising his head, and he had a huge impact on the game. My big or my surprise uh, heads over to the NBA. Josh, second place in the Western Conference right now is the Utah Jazz at 13-4. and four. In the past 10 games, they have went 9-1, and one, and they are on a nine-game winning streak to put them in second place. The Jazz have made at least 23-pointers in six games this season. The craziest thing about that, before this season, Utah had six total of those games in franchise history. This team is playing together beautifully, and I was shocked to see that they are 13-4 and four right now. Absolutely, and Max, you'd be stunned to see. But if we were on Zoom, I would screen share with you right now because that was my second surprise. There you go. Jazz winning streak has been absolutely remarkable. So I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to hop over to my disappointment unless your second surprise was absolutely incredible. My two biggest disappointments, uh, we'll stick with the NBA for the time being, is Russell Westbrook's, Westbrook's performance. It's just sad to see. A guy who I used to love, I would demolish Max in 2K with him. Absolutely dominating has just turned into a shell of himself so far through this season yeah and you saw it even going into back uh last season when he came back for the rockets just missing every shot that he took yeah you see i saw a statistic today he's taken 163 shots so far this season he has 163 points ridiculous very very disappointing my first disappointment uh goes back to an earlier conversation Josh, I am extremely disappointed, and you fall into this in a way, in the NFL fans, analysts, players, coaches, whoever it is, quickness to place blame on LaFleur or Rodgers for the loss. This was a complete team loss. This defense did not do anything to help them out. Adams had drops. Rodgers made bad decisions. There was bad defense. There were some maybe bad calls and bad calls by LaFleur. This is not a one-man show. I would absolutely agree that it's not a one-man show. I'm going to defend myself and say that my reactions are completely warranted. There's no reason not to go for it on fourth down. Um, but yes, I would agree. My second disappointment, because I think that's all you were going to say, is uh, I'm disappointed that Matthew Stafford wants to leave Detroit. Do I get really? it? Do I get it? Absolutely. Is it understandable? Absolutely. Would I want to leave Detroit? Absolutely. But it's just sad to see. You just There's so little and so few quarterbacks that actually stick with their team for the entirety of their careers nowadays. It disappoints me. I get it. But I'm sad. Yeah, it's definitely sad. So let's head over to Believe the Hyper Psych, the final segment for today's episode. Josh, Believe the Hyper Psych, the Saints currently have their future QB on their roster. Oh, I'm absolutely going to say... Believe the hype! Wow. I bet you didn't see that coming. I did not. But is it Taysom Hill? Absolutely not. Is it Jameis Winston? Maybe. Well, uh, if it's not J- Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. Hey, it be? might be... Uh, who's that guy they drafted four years ago who's probably not on the roster anymore? Anyways, Garrett... Like, not Petty. He was the Packers guy. That same draft class. Anyways, I'm going to stop talking about that right now. I actually am really excited to see what Jameis Winston can do in this offense. I think he... Uh, getting surgery on his eyes so he can actually see may be an overblown statement, but I'll be really excited to see what he can do. Also with Sean Payton instead of Dirk Cutter, huge difference. I'm excited to see. I don't know if I would go so far as to say future quarterback. Certainly, I think they'll give him a shot over the next two years, and I'm excited to see what that becomes. All right, Josh, what is your first Believe the Hype or Psych? My first Believe the Hype, I'm going to stick with what I was just talking about. Matthew Stafford, if he gets traded to the Rams, that makes them Super Bowl favorites for next year. Super Bowl favorites? Hell no. Hell no. That would be a lot of fun to see. I would be in favor of that trade, but Super Bowl favorites? No, I'm going to say psych. There's no question in my mind. Okay. Absolutely. Max, hit me with one more. All right, Josh. Believe the hyper psych. 
this week uh, marked one year since Kobe unfortunately passed away. Um, lots of great videos coming out on the impact that he has had. Lots of quotes from athletes across all sports. Kobe Bryant has had a larger impact on sports than Michael Jordan has. Wow. Now that's a take. Kobe Bryant has had more of an impact than Michael Jordan. I'm going to believe the hype, actually. Absolutely. I think Michael Jordan was generational, obviously. The GOAT for a long time until maybe now. It's up for debate. We're not going to get into that. I don't think he changed the game or changed people's mentalities and mindsets as much as Kobe Bryant did. Yeah, I think that's the key. I think that's where the difference is. Right. I, I believe the hype as well. It's the impact that he's had with the mentality because changing the game that works for the nba whatever kobe bryant changed the mentality of athletes across every single sport this man has had more of an impact than mj has in my opinion absolutely i'd agree um you want to just do one more for this week max one more. yeah give us what's your final i'll round it out i'm not going to do this i have one for, i'll save it for next week um because it's going to take you a little bit more thinking, and I should have warned you out of time. How about this one, though? Believe the hype or psych. Jamal Murray's bubble performance was a fluke. I'm going to say psych with a focus on the word fluke. I think that we've talked many times in past episodes about the clutch factor that comes out in playoff performances and how that was very, very evident in the bubble last season. I don't think that it was fluke. I think that it was the clutch factor coming out. I would not be surprised to see another playoff performance like that should the Nuggets get that far. I don't expect him to play like that at all in the regular season, though. Okay, I was going to say, so you expect his performance to be like that in the playoffs again? Right, and maybe not to the level, because, I mean, that was incredible stats that he posted. Those were incredible stats, Um, but not so much to make it a fluke. Interesting. Okay. Well, Josh, always uh, such a pleasure of mine to talk sports with you, to catch up, to see your beautiful face across FaceTime. Absolutely fantastic, Max. It's been great seeing you over my computer. Maybe one of these days I'll get to see your pretty face in person again. That would be something special, wouldn't it? (laughs) Well, to our many listeners far and wide across the galaxies and countries, It's been great. Thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, I didn't get any uh, socially distanced high fives last week, Um, but I did get another text from one of my buds, Max Finally. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting everyone else who's gotten this far. Please send me something so that I can thank you for being a supporter. There are only about nine of you anyways. Thank you for listening. This has been the Factory of Sadness, a sports podcast. I am one of your hosts, Max Steiger. And I am Josh Shankman. Have a great day.